0: If you would turn with me to John chapter 1, we are in the book of John, we're in this uh, second week of the study, last week we did an introduction, this week we are going to dive into John chapter 1. I thought for some reason that I could maybe do this whole chapter this week and as I got into it I realized that uh, not only can I do a whole chapter, I can barely get the introduction done, we could spend weeks just on John chapter 1 verse 1. But what, what the, the Apostle John is trying to accomplish here in John 1, verses 1 to 18, in the, in the introduction, is just explaining to us who Jesus is. And one thing you'll find in this first 18 verses is sort of John setting the tone for what he will be speaking about, what he will be writing about through the rest of this book. So in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, Uh, This is what the apostle writes. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light to men. That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Children born not of a natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, thanks for these words. Thanks for your Son, um, and for the hope and the promises that come through Him. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So what John is trying to accomplish here in this introduction is explaining to us who Jesus really is. And who Jesus is, is the most important question that we will ever have to answer, because what you do with Jesus determines not just life here, but it determines our eternal destiny. Because if you believe that Jesus was just a man and he chose not to follow and serve him, then eternity will spend, be spent without Christ, without um, in hell, separated from God. But if you Determine if you, as you read and, and you come to faith and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God then you must serve Him. And in John 1 John, he just says in the beginning was the Word. So John right away says look, Christ preexisted. He has been from eternity. He always was. He has never come into existence because He always has been. The Word was not created. The Word always was. And of course, that word, Word, refers to Christ. And and that word, Word, represents everything that God is. So for us, so for me, I, I always wondered, so why did John not say, in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus was the creator of all things. He was there when everything was... Cre- Why does he use this word, word? Well, for one thing, because of what it represented, it, it represents everything that God is. But also, to, to the Jew and the Greek that, that John was writing to, this made perfect sense. And that's who he was writing to, to Jews and Greeks. And remember, it's important for us to understand who the author was writing to and how the audience would have heard what he was writing. So when John says in the beginning was the word, the Jew automatically understood the concept of word. He understood and knew that the universe was created through the word. He knew that the word of God was what when the Old Testament talks about God connecting with man on earth, it always uses this word, word. So we see where, and the word came to so and so, and, and, and the word was spoken. And so the Jew was very familiar with this concept because it's all through the Old Testament. This reality of word, the fullness, everything that represents God. Now, to the Greek, who Greeks were, were all about philosophy, and they had all these philosophers, the Greek believed that there was a God. They believed there was a superpower. There's, there was this, this, this God that had the power to, to reason, who, who had a mind, and, and who caused men and women with the, to have the ability to reason and to act and to respond intelligently because of this power that existed. And, and this power to the Greek just floated out there somewhere in the world. He was, he was impersonal, but but there was this higher power, this God. Well, the Greeks gave this, this higher power a name as well. They called it logos, or word. So when Paul wrote in the Greek read in the beginning was the word they immediately understood that Paul, that John is talking about about God talking about this higher power so so the greek un, the, the greek understood but they didn't know who the word was and the jew thought the word was God but they didn't realize that John was talking about Jesus himself. But what he's saying here is, to to both, is that that Christ is the embodiment of all that God is. And so in the first five verses, we see John laying that out of, of in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus. Like I said, throughout John, you'll see these sort of shifts in his tone where he goes from from sort of preaching a sermon to to giving us a bit of information. It's called a a parenthesis, or as as Michael Card calls it, narrative whispers of facts that he's throwing out to us. And by the way, if you want a really good, um, easy book to read on the Gospel of John, Michael Card has has an excellent book that, that actually just came out called The Gospel of John. Uh, and I'd encourage you to, to invest uh, 10 bucks and, and 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 get that. But Michael Carr calls this narrative whispers where John preach, uh, shifts from his preaching to, to a narrative voice. And he introduces us to John the Baptist. In, in verse 6, he says, there came a man. So, so after five verses of talking about the word and who Jesus was, he says, oh, by the way, there's this guy, John the Baptist. He came as a witness testifying concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself wasn't the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so here we're introduced to John. He says John was a witness. This word witness actually is where we get our word martyr from. And John the Baptist actually, he was a witness and he became a martyr for his faith and 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 John was not and he was he was um, actually there are people today still that that follow John the Baptist because many people thought that John was the Messiah but and over and over again John would, would tell people that that he would deny I am not the Messiah I am not the prophet I am not the light he is coming in verse nine, he says he is coming, and and, and this is—you'll see this in John the Baptist in his message that that he is not the Messiah, but John wants us to get to know John the Baptist because John is an important piece. He is the one that. That, that paved the way for Jesus to come. And actually, when John, when, when one, by the time Jesus comes onto the scene, John has already caused a big stir among, um, among Jews. Um, and so, uh, John is a very significant person in here. Verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And this this word light has the idea of an ongoing giving of light in darkness. Actually, if you go back, the word life in him was life, and that life was light. Life, when you see it here, is continued exuberance of just giving out and giving out. So, So Jesus was that life that gives out, and he's the light that continues to shine out. He says, here he says, the true light that gives light. He was coming. Jesus was coming. So how do I get that light? I'm sure many people ask as they read John's letter, how do I get the light? Or maybe you're asking that this morning, you've never received Christ. You've never believed on him. You ask, how do I get the light? And we talked about this last week, and and John will tell us over and over again, actually about 80 times, he will say, believe, we must believe. And and you'll see that word over and over again. Yes, you must believe. How do I believe? And first, we have to accept that Jesus was the Son of God. Do you accept the fact that he was the Son of God? And then, when you accept that he is the Son of God, you have to believe in your heart that he is everything that he said he was. He is the Son of God, he is the Savior of the world, he is the Messiah. You must believe on Him and then commit your life to serving Him. That's believing. It's not just saying, oh, yes, He is the Son of God. It's committing my life to what Jesus taught, to live my life for Him. And John the Baptist, it says, came to prepare the world for the one who would bring us life. My question this morning, and we'll go back to this over and over, do you believe? Do you believe on him? And have you committed your life to him? We get to, then we, we move on here to verse 10. If you look at verse 10, so John is, he, he's talked about the word, then we we take this little narrative um, break, and he talks about John the Baptist. Then in verse 10, he's back to talking about, about the Word. And in verse 10, he says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which, is, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet you know, the apostle John had spent his whole life This letter is written probably 50 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. John is the last living apostle, and and so he's writing this book reflecting on on what he has experienced as a preacher, because John has preached Jesus for the last 50 years. And John finds it really perplexing that though the world was made through Jesus, though He came to his own people. They didn't receive him. They didn't accept him. They rejected the one who had made heaven and earth. And John is perplexed and just doesn't understand how that could be. How people could see the Messiah and not believe on him. How He could come to His own people and they didn't receive Him. I think John was often perplexed by that. And maybe you're sitting here this morning. You understand that, that the world was made through Him. And yet you still don't recognize Him. You still don't believe. You still haven't received Him. Says That's perplexing. Yet, he says in verse 12, he says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. So, So John says, look, to those who believe, to those who have confessed Jesus, they are now children of the Creator. So those of us who have received Christ who have accepted that he is and believed and have committed our lives to him, he says, We are we are his children. We have, we, we have the privilege of spending eternity with him. But he says that they're children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. You see, it is because of God that, that we really have been born again. He drew us to himself. Our responsibility is. To have personal faith is to believe, to believe that He is the living Word, to believe what the living Word did, to believe that He is our Savior. Have you believed on Him? For those that haven't, John is perplexed. then we get to to verse 14 which is really the high point maybe of the uh, it is a, of this section of scripture but so john has has introduced us to the word he's introduced us to john the baptist and then he he goes back to to the word and and to 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 to, to the son of god then he says in verse 14 and the word this word this this fullness of God, this Word, it says, has become flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, it was this Word, this eternal power, this will and mind and wisdom, everything that God is, that was made flesh so so god came here took on our likeness he became like us the infinite became finite god became man the powerful creative divine force that caused everything to be took on human flesh It is the the greatest truth that we can ever try to comprehend. The Word becoming flesh. Now it doesn't say that He was was created because He always existed. It assumes pre-existence here when John says the Word became flesh. He did not come into being. He just came to be flesh. And another incredible thing is even though he became flesh, he didn't cease to continue to be God. So here we have Jesus Christ, the Word, who was not only man, but but he was God. Fully God and, and fully man walking among us. Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt. You could say, he tabernacled with us. Basically it says dwelt is, that is a, 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 it's like the idea of a tent. So, So the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now remember in the Old Testament, God's spirit was present where? In the tabernacle. And then when when the, the temple was built, God's presence existed in the temple. So this is saying, God existed. God's spirit was in the word. He tabernacled with us. God takes up residence among his people in the incarnate It's really a a mind-blowing thought. But it's truth. Have you believed it? Have you believed that truth? And then John says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, we personally, I personally, when I lived back in the 20s, I saw his glory. I witnessed it with my own eyes. In fact, in 1 John 1, 1, he says, I touched him with my own hand. I experienced Jesus and I saw his glory. I saw it in his deeds. I saw it in his words. I saw it in, in his emotions. Everything about him was glorious. Peter in 2 Peter 1:16 says, We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. These were people that were eyewitnesses of the Messiah. They speak of his splendor and glory and majesty, and they are in awe of that. We saw His glory, the glory of God. It was manifest to us in truth and in grace. What is this truth and grace? And how did they see it lived out? You know, we all, we, I think most of us enjoy being around grace people. You know, people who are pleasant to be around, people who don't ruffle our feathers, people who don't question us, people that are easygoing and accept us, just just accept us for who we are. They tolerate And tolerance is a big word today. You know, we're supposed to be tolerant of all people, and grace people are tolerant. But oftentimes, grace people either don't know the difference between right and wrong or don't have the backbone or the spine to stand up for what is right and wrong because, because they're grace people. They want to be liked. They want people to like them. So we just, So they just accept people for who they are, but they never help them to become who they should be. Now, truth people, they're easy to admire because they have convictions and principles. They believe right and wrong and and stand up for it. They speak against injustice. They're usually articulate and well-spoken, but often without grace. Telling the truth to them can, can become an excuse for beating people up. They're quick to cast judgment. They make difficult decisions, but but often their difficult decisions end up hurting other people. They're slow to forgive. They inspire us to have courage, but, but often their courage leads them to be intimidating. So a grace person, their main concern is they want to be loved. Truth people, their main concern is about being right and defending truth. Both have their dangers, if not uh, done within balance. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, John says, was, was all grace. Think about it. As you read through the book of John, you'll see that. You know, he welcomed sinners and tax collectors and ate with them. You know, he had compassion on the crowds, and, and when people were hungry and far from home, he fed them. He welcomed little children to come and sit on his lap. He healed the leper, the lame, and the blind. He, he uh, engaged the, the Samaritan woman at the well and, and showed much grace. You know, the woman caught in adultery, when he walked up to her, he showed her much grace. Nicodemus, next, in the next couple weeks, he'll read about Jesus showed him much grace. So, So he was all grace. But he was also all truth. And he condemned the religious leaders for for their hypocrisy. He talks more about hell than he does about heaven. He tells his disciples that, that they must every day pick up their cross and follow him. He told the woman at the well to go and sin no more. So Jesus, here, Jesus throughout is all grace, all truth, all the time. He came to save us, it says, in grace and truth. And we desperately need grace in our lives. We need to hear Jesus say to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This morning some of you need that you need that rest. You need to receive that grace that Jesus gives. You need to hear him say come. But we also need to hear we need to hear that, that, that wayward children, people have squandered their inheritance like the parable in Luke 15. Those who have lived immoral lives and rebellious lives can come home to the arms of a heavenly father. We need to hear truth. We need to hear that, that when Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We need to hear that, but the Son sets us free, and you will be free indeed. We need to hear both. We need to hear grace, and we need to hear truth. Jesus was both. We need to be gracious the way that Jesus was gracious, but we need to tell the truth when the truth needs to be told. We need to tell people when Things aren't right. We need to say you're not okay. But often we we migrate towards one or the other. My biggest danger is I migrate more towards the grace and where I don't like to tell people truth because I don't want to I like to be liked. For some of you, truth may be the thing you struggle with most where you where you struggle with telling people just like it is, but you don't do it gracefully. What I learned from from this text this morning is that Jesus did both, and I need to become more like Jesus, or I need to exercise grace and truth the way Jesus did. Not only Jesus lived that out, But I believe as we, when we come to commit our lives to living like Him, then we need to begin to to, to balance that whole thing of grace and truth. Or we need to do both. Because that's the loving thing for us to do. And as we go through, as you go through the book of John, you'll see Jesus over and over exercising both both grace and truth. So be looking for these themes as we go throughout the book that that John has has showed us here in his opening um, prologue. Look for light and life. Jesus will over and over talk about light and life. Satan came to steal and to kill and destroy in John 10. I have come that you might have life. And you might have it abundantly. And you'll see life come up quite often. You'll see light come up a lot. Be looking for that. And be looking for these grace and truth conversations that Jesus had. Again, my prayer for, for myself, for us, is that as we journey through John, as we see how Jesus lived, that we would become more like him. That our lives, as we are filled with the light, that our lives more and more would would overflow with the, the exuberance of him. And it would overflow in grace, and it would overflow in truth. And that people would come to know Jesus through the way we live and through the way we act. And in John, he over and over shows us how Jesus did that. So read this book very carefully. Don't zip through it every every day and, 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 and say, I got my quota in. Read through it. Be observant. Be looking and listening and acting on what we learn in this book. Stand with me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words that, that were penned through the Holy Spirit by John. And I pray, Father, that, that those words would penetrate our hearts. Lord, that we would begin to understand how Jesus... lived and and how he was God that he was just showed us how you look father may our lives reflect Jesus and I pray that through your holy Spirit we would be changed Lord through the reading of your word we would be changed And, Lord, as we are changed, I pray that that we would reflect you. I pray, Father, that our lives would be honoring and glorifying to you. As we leave this place, Father, I pray that you would empower us to walk lives that are attractive. As we are filled with light, that we would... would, um, just be bursting with life that is honoring and glorifying to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray.